Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message.
Did I? Yeah, maybe next time we'll start it in French and see if you can figure out what song I'm doing. Oh, Lord, we are so eager for your return. We're so eager to see the trees clap their hands. We're so eager to see the mountains and the hills break forth before you first to see the Mount of Olives split as you pass through to that eastern gate. We will be there, Lord. We will be there waiting to anoint you as the King of Israel. You are our King, Bo Yeshua.
Okay, so Father, we just pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Speak to us now during this time. Speak to the children, Lord, as through the teachers, those that are giving their, giving their uh, hearts and minds and hands and feet to, to minister to our children, Lord. Thank you. Invest your word in all of our lives, Lord, to know you, to grow in you, to shine for you in Yeshua's name. Gal we pray. Amen. To quote Barry Weiss, so now Kanye owns Parler, Elon owns Twitter, and a company called ByteDance, owned by China, owns your kids. They run TikTok, social media TikTok. So uh, that's what she said. Oy vey, I'm saying. Um, but... God is at work with a plan to reach our world, right? He certainly is. And we're reading in Genesis chapter 12 today, Noah and his family have been busy rebuilding and repopulating the earth. And now once again, perhaps 400 years later, God singles out a man, uh, one of Noah's sons, a descendant of Shem. And what was his name? Right, Avram. Avram or Abram, let's say Avram. All right, his name will be changed to Abraham or Avraham in the future. But right now, it's Avram. And so we're in chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read it. Now, Adonai, the Lord, said to Avram, Get going, I'm reading TLV here, Get going from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, the Hebrew would read. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, your name great, so that you will be a blessing, is what it says. So you'll be a blessing. So get yourself out of your country, your kinsmen, your father's house. I'll show you this land. And I could hear Abraham saying, or Abram saying, but can't you give me more details? What land? How do I know if the terrain and the climate will be suitable for our, for our family and our friends? Too hot? Too cold? Too hilly? <laughs> too flat? Psalm 119, verse 105, I was reminded of this verse at our conference and you, you all know this verse, but let's hear it afresh from the Lord. It's a verse we all love. Thy word, let's say it. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. And I was reminded that, you know, the whole idea is of that verse, you can only see a few feet in front of you with the lamp, right? And so that's the idea. We can only see. God's word gives us direction, but we don't see the whole picture. He just lets us see right in front of us, maybe. It's, it's a walk of faith. And he says in verses 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who curses you, plural, then singular, by the, of the enemies. <clears throat> but you, the cursers, but you, and different word, by the way, of the curse, uh, curses you, him who curses you is a different word from uh, I will curse. And by you, all the families of the earth will be cursed. Boy, and I want to just say, it's so scary to me when someone, whether it's 
anyone or a celebrity or otherwise comes out with anti-Semitic remarks. And the word curses, the first word here is to diminish, to make light of. And then the second word, curse, God says, I will curse him or her. God will isolate, says he will, I will isolate him or her. Isolate and bring to ruin. That's what will happen. And it's so scary. I remember when I heard it, someone several years ago, an artist I liked, a, a singer I liked, and I, and I heard him all of a sudden rant, starting to rant some anti-Semitic remarks against Israel. You know, and I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. And sure enough, just a matter of time, he just fell off the map. And, and uh, things, his music went, everything went down. You know, it's just a matter of time. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Verses 4 and 5, Avram went as Adonai, as the Lord had said to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai, his, her name's going to be changed later too, his brother's son Lot, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, as well as the people they had acquired in Haran. Then they set out for the land of Canaan. Abram and his descendants, future people of Israel, to the land of Canaan or Canaan, the future land of Israel. So go for yourself. Lech lecha. Let's say lech lecha. Lech lecha. Think of the courage. What courage this took for him to do this, for them to do this. Called at what many would consider the time of retirement. At 75 years of age. Now, he did die at 175, so they lived longer. Leaving his security, his comfort, leaving, you know, a place where everyone knows you to go to a place where nobody knows you, to the unknown. We sometimes think, oh, it would have been so great to be Abram. Really? I don't know. Abraham's told to leave his homeland, his birthplace, and his father's house in present-day Iraq, to go to Canaan or Israel. Moving is always difficult, but even a little more so 4,000 years ago, without planes, without Google Maps, no Airbnb. Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 8, listen. Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen, not seen. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. Hebrews eleven eight. How much faith is enough? How much faith do I need? Jesus said, Yeshua said, a mustard seed. Faith of a mustard seed size. Matthew 17, 20, to be able to heal. There was a child tormented by a demon with seizures. Yeshua said you need the faith only to his disciples of a mustard seed. Luke 17, 6, to be able to forgive someone who, who wrongs me and then repents, but repeatedly seven times in a day. In other words, just constantly keeps doing it. I can't do it. It's not the quality of the faith, the quantity of the faith, but the quality of the faith that I need. It's really not my faith that I need. It's his faith. 
It's the faith of Yeshua, the Messiah. Romans 3.22, Galatians 2.16, James 2.1, Revelation 14.12. All those verses call it the faith. Greek word would be pistuo, the trust, the reliance. Hebrew word would be emunah, the faith of Yeshua. The faith of Yeshua. Because he is the, what? The author and the what? Finisher, right? Looking unto Yeshua, the author and the finisher, the pioneer and the perfecter of my faith, Hebrews 12, 2. It comes from him. It comes, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. It doesn't originate in me. So how much faith do I need? A mustard seed of faith, which is the tiniest seed. It's I need his faith. I need his faith. The faith, think of the faith that Yeshua had in his father. Complete reliance. My father says this, it's okay. My father does this, I see him, I do it, I do it. What my father says, I do, it's easy. Just that constant reliance and rest in his father. That's, what, that's all I need. It's, it's him, it's not me. And it's more than believing in God, Elohim. It's, it says in the Hebrew, in Genesis fifteen six, when Abraham believed God, the period where he tells him to look up at the stars and count the number, and then it says, and, and this is that verse that's taken and quoted in the, by Rome, Paul and Romans and Galatians and quoted throughout the, the New Testament. It says he believed God. It says he believed in Adonai. He believed in, in the Lord, Yahweh, Adonai. We don't know how to, the name is pronounced, the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God, yod heh vav Adonai. He believed in Adonai. Trusting, Genesis 15, 6. It means trusting, independing, relying upon the Lord. To rely upon, to trust in, to rely upon. You are worthy of my trust, Lord. You are worthy of my trust. 1 Peter 1, 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though Peter says you don't know, you don't see him now, you trust him and are filled with with a joy that is glorious beyond words. It's an amazing thing. It's a mysterious thing. It's believing in Adonai, trusting, relying on Adonai, but it comes from him. I like 2 Corinthians 12, 14, where Paul says, That's always, this is a, just a little simple verse. He says, for I seek not yours, but you. I seek not yours, but you. Now, this is the origin of us as a people of faith. Think of this. This is our origin, one of adventure and risk. Abraham, of necessity, of necessary discomfort facing the unknown. This is how we started. It was abrupt, as the Hebrew lech lecha implies. Abram abandons his home, birthplace, family, friends, and even an inheritance. He would ultimately travel 400 miles away from whom? How far have you had to travel? How far have I recently? Peter and Andrew are casting their fishing nets. Another instance, right? Sim- similar. I, I think it's parallel. Peter and Andrew throwing their, casting those heavy fishing nets. As you know, if you travel Israel, you you know, and you go out in those fishing boats on the Canaret, on the Sea of Galilee, and you, you know it's not this kind of fishing. It's throwing those heavy nets, you know. And 
and you pull in, and pulling them up. And then Jacob and John in the boat on the sea, on there with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And in Matthew 4, Yeshua, they hear the words Yeshua say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And in the other case, they left their dad too. Go, leave and follow, leave your, leave your father too. And trust me, with the, trust me, go. Lech lecha can also mean go by yourself or isolate yourself. So Hirsch says, here it means. Go for yourself, detaching yourself from all your previous connections. Another rabbinic source says, abandon your land entirely. Do not entertain the notion of ever returning to it. I'm sure all of us that are following the Lord could share stories. I could share personal stories. I'm not going to take time today, but when I'm called to Bible college, when called to leave, you know, and go, and the, the clashing and the difficulties, called to leave free university education, called to, like what Dan, uh, Dan was sharing, the, sacrifice, the, the call comes and to follow the Lord. And you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow the voice, hear the voice and go? Avram passed through the land to the place called Shechem in chapters 12, verses 6 and 7, to the oak of Moreh. The Canaanite were then in the land, and the Lord appeared. Adonai appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's obeyed. He's made the difficult decision, does all this. All they're, they're all traveling. He's enacted it. And now God says, oh, that land I said I'd show you, well, I'll be giving it to your descendants, not necessarily you. Abram could have thought, what descendants? What descendants? But he builds an altar in worship, and he keeps traveling. And then he builds another altar in worship and calls upon the name of the Lord, God's name. And he continues traveling. Now, Stephen tells us in Acts 7, verse 5, in his speech, he says that he never really even got a foothold of that inheritance. Interesting verse, Acts 7, verse 5. What happened, think about it, what happened when he obeyed the Lord and arrived in the promised land? Okay, he gets there. A famine, first thing, a famine. And what does he have to do? Go down to Egypt to escape the famine, to survive starvation there. And then his beautiful wife is abducted by Pharaoh and his henchmen or whatever. Then, and he has to get out of that scenario, he does it sinfully by telling her to lie. Then there's a conflict arises over financial issues with his nephews and his workers, his nephews, workers, and his, and his own workers, and they have to split up, he and Lot, and then after that, Lot, because of that decision, gets in trouble, and he, because of his loyalty to Lot, because he loves Lot, because Lot was loyal to him, he's loyal to Lot, he goes to war 
to rescue him. All these happen, things happen. Still, with no heir, then later on, all this is in the parasha, he lets his wife persuade him to marry Hagar, and the result is Ishmael. All this happens. Oh, and then to add to that some more fun, the challenge of obeying God with circumcision at 90 years of age. <laughs> Ouch. So we look at Abraham and say, wow, how wonderful to be a hero. <laughs> a biblical hero. Not so much fun. A lot of challenges, right? A lot of difficulties. But thank God he battled through them. He didn't give up. Thank God he did it. And by the way, I want to say that something about it. It's interesting to me. I, I, very clear. He let, his, he let Sarah persuade him and reluctantly to marry Hagar. And he shouldn't have. He was wrong. He let her, I think, in an emotionally charged situation, he let her push him to do something wrong. Later on, He's sentimentally attached, I think, very clearly. I think it's chapter 21 to Ishmael and Hagar. Yeah, and, and God says, and she says, cast out the bondwoman. And, her, and, and God says, listen to the voice of your wife. You're not listening to her. He says, she's, I'm speaking to her. She's telling you right. You're, you're not listening. So when do you listen to your wife? When don't you? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. The, the truth is, sometimes God is speaking, <laughs> and, and you really need to, and other times you need to stand your ground and say, no, no, the Lord is, I know I'm going to do what's right here. It's not, it's not right for me to be, I'm not going to be listening to the emotions. I'm going to be listening to the Lord. And other times you need to be listening to your helpmate, your spouse, because God's trying to speak to you through them. So I just throw that out there. That's a whole class, isn't it, I guess? Let's have a marital class. So, uh, but both are, both are true, right? Both are true. There's times when, uh, you know, we don't listen when we should, and there's times when we, we let emotions control a situation when we shouldn't, and we get, you know. I want to quote a great a rabbi I really love, Rabbi Svi Nightingale, but about Abram. This is, I love this. I love this. It's a, a little long quote. So listen to this. For many years, Abram's life was filled with trials and tribulations. And if there is any common theme to all these events, it is something more than arbitrary, something more than arbitrary difficulties. It is difficulties of a particular variety, all associated with loss. In fact, his life seems to represent loss, separation, and a breakdown of all that Abraham knew and cherished. A life where everything that he came from and believed in was stripped away. Every goal, every love, every comfort, all of it was taken from him. Only such, only such a man could be the cornerstone of a people that would be able to withstand the trials and tribulations that we Jewish people have endured for thousands of years. There was no other way that we could have survived our losses, our losses of family, our losses of lives, of security, of homes, and of homeland, without Abraham's ability to have lived through every one of these difficulties and still carry on. And not just carry on, but even flourish. 
Abraham planted within us our DNA. Isn't that amazing? I love that. And I would add to it, and within us as a faith family, all of us as believers, followers of Yeshua as well. He's planted within us that DNA. We are here today, he says, only because Abraham didn't buckle or break under his many tests, tests that were crucial to create the man whose name was prophetically changed to Avraham by the end of the parasha, meaning Avhamon Goyim, a father of many nations, as indeed he became, the father of the Israelites, the Ishmaelites, and the spiritual father of Christians. Rabbi Tzvi says that by losing it all, Abraham became the biggest winner. I love that. And when I read that, I thought, boy, that echoes of what the Apostle Paul says. Shliach Paul. Rabbi Paul says what? The same thing. In Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have considered a loss for the sake of the Messiah. More than that, I consider all things to be loss in comparison to the surpassing value of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I consider them garbage. The word is Greek word skubalon, which means excrement, in order that I might gain Messiah. Wow. Loss of all things that I might gain Messiah. Praise the Lord. Abraham becomes the greatest winner by losing it all. We become the greatest winners by losing it all to follow Yeshua, to follow him, to hearing that voice, lech lecha. God calls Abraham with a threefold promise. We know in chapters two, 12, verses 2 and 3, descendants of a great land, give him, make his descendants a great land, a great people, make him a great people, make him a great blessing. We have with Abraham and Sarah in this parasha, we see in the chapters, all these chapters, which is really 12 through 17, their acts of bravery, but also their sins and their weaknesses. Going down to Egypt in famine, telling Sarah to lie, pressuring Abraham and inducting, drafting Hagar to produce the needed son, then afflicting her, because Sarah did, acquiescing to her, Sarah's, as I talked, mentioned, emotionally charged advice, fear, we see fear, we see panic, we see impatience, we see false justification, we see jealousy, we see all of these things, and the root of all these weaknesses and sins were distrust or faithlessness every time, unbelief, not trusting the Lord, not placing their reliance on him, same thing that And it's the same problem that we have. God chooses people that are frail, full of weaknesses. He's choosing each one of us. And we are Abraham's and Sarah's, each one of us. And, you know, whether it's Noah, ends up, you know, drunk and disheveled, you know, in in the Parsha, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, uh, David, Solomon. God uses Abraham and Sarah as one said, they're famous, they're flawed, 
but they followed the Lord by faith. And Abraham is he's justified by his faith, as we know. He trusts the Lord. So, Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and the decisions we've made to lech lecha, to hear your voice that says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, to follow me, to lose that we might win, to lose that we might gain Messiah in all things, Lord. We thank you so much for your grace and your call and for this amazing word, emunah, faith, trust, reliance, your reliability, your trustworthiness that begins not with us but with you. So help us keep our eyes on you, Lord. Help us. We want that simple, that little mustard seed size of faith. That's all we need, Lord. You said that's all we need. And so we're trusting you. We're thanking you for it. We're blessing you back as you've blessed us. If you've never trusted Yeshua, you've never invited him into your life, take a moment and say, Lord, just humble yourself. Say, God, I need you. I need salvation. I want to know the living God. I want to know you and have eternal life. Wash me. Make me new. I'm receiving Yeshua. Someone will pray with you after service when the service closes in a little while. And, or if you're watching online, please contact us and we will contact you back. You're going to hear the King David harp from Jerusalem being used in that recording.
Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmorecha Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha shalom V'shem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar HaShalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom.